This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number three, Clash of the Titans. Welcome back to Save Eureka. Hello, everyone. <laughs> we just got done watching Clash of the Titans. Another great name. I love the punny names. Oh, yeah. These are gotta awesome. Go. And we, what was last week? Of Mites and Men? That and was, now we've got Clash of the Titans. <laughs> of Mites and Men. That was great. Clash of the Titans is kind of cool because it has, I don't know, it takes a little more to figure out. Well, there know? are a lot of relationships in this episode, a lot of romantic relationships and a lot of uh, trying to figure things out, and it's cool. Sometimes the best uh, the best episodes <clears throat> are the ones that take place in the world, but don't necessarily rely on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, when you said in the world, I was just thinking of uh, Holly going, I'm going to die on Titan without even leaving Main Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I, I, I like the, um, well, the perfect example of that is um, when uh, Wallace Shawn's character is Oh, just, I love Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn being on this show. That's, I mean, that's inconceivable. <laughs> nice. <laughs> inconceivable and the Negus. Man, oh, he, yeah. he makes Zini the from rounds. Princess Bride. He was in My Dinner with Andre. Grand Negus, Zek. He was Rex from Toy Story. I mean, this guy <laughs> he is He shows hot. up in Stargate, right? Does oh, he? I, I think so. I think he does. I'm pretty sure it's he does. It's been a while since I watched was Stargate. He in, was he in Willow also? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was in everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, the man's in everything. Anyway. But I, I, I like the uh, the idea of him showing up and just, oh, just go about your business. And they're just <laughs> Pretend like, I'm not even here. It's like, you have no idea what normal business is around these parts, sir. I thought it was funny because they set that up as, it's almost a cliche. I mean... The whole, you know, I'm going to observe you and pretend I'm not here, and then everyone gets all nervous. It's a cliche. But I thought to myself, you know, this is Eureka. They're going to find a, a spin on it. They never do cliche. <laughs> like, straight cliche. Yeah, they, they never dump the uh, relationship expert down a hole into a chasm. <laughs> yeah, that's a new one, I think. Uh, you know, or I like the way it was like a perfect, perfectly round hole. <laughs> I thought it was like one of those lion pits where they like put some grass over it, and you fall into it, and there's a lion in the bottom. Carter goes, this is Sparta, and kicks him in. <laughs> it's like, oops, we uh, we lost him. Send us another one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is how I would deal with my relationship. I'm just very pleased that we got some real, like, Zane with his shirt off time this time. I, I <laughs> they were hiding that. it. Like, like, wow, okay, they uh, must have listened to you. you notice? That did guy you has the greatest pecs. Oh, my God. And they're kind of, like, angled downward. That's. Oh, did you notice God. in the, uh, you know, in, in the, the image that features on the site for the podcast, I actually found one for you? Oh, no, I hadn't seen it yet. That's yeah. great. Yeah, you put a nice peck shot for the last I did. It was, it was just for you, Audra. Awesome. Maybe I should find another one for this one. See how many weeks well, in a row time. I can have. it's about time. I mean, you get, like, a guy, you get a guy who looks like that and, you know, it is funny. just don't no, let it go I know to what waste. you're saying. It's funny because they've got him on the show and then nothing, you know? Although it's funny, we had as much uh, Fargo shirtless in this episode, I think, as we had Zane shirtless. I like Fargo so much. He, Fargo's awesome. He's such a cool guy. Fargo's growing so much. He, he turned down the sex. 
Okay, I, I love the I love the oh no, that's where it all goes wrong. But I'm I'm really good at dessert. <laughs> that's a classic line. You know, one of my favorite things Margo, there's this tidy problem. Yes, exactly. She's like, <laughs> Oh, and she kinda looks disappointed. He's like, No, no. But I was gonna say that's one of my favorite things about this show is how they, they deal with innuendo and Chuck and I have been watching a lot of uh, Doctor Who yeah. and uh, kind of, you know, came very late to the game but um have just been loving every second of it. And we've been talking about um the difference between, you know, what's a, like a, a show that's aimed at kids and then a show that's aimed at adults but is friendly oh, yeah. friendly to kids. You this know? came up because, you know, a lot of people I think mistakenly say, well, Doctor Who is a show for kids and it's not. It's a show that's targeted primarily at adults. However, it's a family friendly show, much like Eureka. It's a show that's accessible to kids. It's designed. Yeah. yeah, it's designed to be watchable by children as well. You know, we talked about how I was just like, well, I always thought the Muppets was that way. And while admittedly, I can kind of agree. I think Muppets are the the opposite. They are targeted at children yet designed for adults to enjoy you know and uh adults it, are the secondary audience exactly there, and, instead of the primary. And, right and with doctor who with eureka adults are the primary audience and kids are a secondary audience and anyway but but one interesting thought that we had uh, earlier today and uh we decided to go ahead and save it so we could talk with you about it one <laughs> was um when you're creating art when you're a writer or whatever and, you, and you're working for eureka and you have some limitations based on, you know, the time slot that you're in and the network and, and all these things that, you know, who your audience is. And they're making it this relatively family friendly show. There are a lot of jokes and, and there's a lot of innuendo, which I like because the innuendo is play. It's fun. Um, I mean, they could just show us stuff, but it's it's fun to see them work around it. And uh, we were talking about how does uh, how do those limitations affect the writing and I, I think in it some just ways, makes them more creative. Yeah, and that's yeah, what that was I the said. question. Yeah, like it could. I mean, it, it, it you never know because it really depends on the people and the situation and everything, the writers and the and, and the show. But you know, it struck me that like when we were we were actually talking about Torchwood, you know, Torchwood being well, uh, at least Wikipedia and everybody says we've oh, seen a total of one episode yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, oh wow! Okay. But a lot of them say, well, it's it's you know, we didn't want it to just be Doctor Who for adults only, you know, but. But yet, in many ways, it, you know, they're the same. A lot of the same writers and a lot of the same uh, creative people and everything, and and they've removed some of the limitations. And it happened to work out in that case, right? But right, yeah, but like they've 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 gone down the path of you know more uh, profanity and a lot of everything's kind of hypersexualized compared to uh, Doctor Who. But they've hit on another balance where it's still not you know into. The next phase, which would be softcore pornography, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is we we were talking about how you can, whenever that happens, you always get a little worried because on one hand, when you pull those limitations off, sometimes, like you said right up front, Juan, sometimes the limitations can be a source of creativity, and if you remove them, uh, you just do the first thing that comes to mind, and it may not be what you expect. Now, on the other hand, that's not always the case too. Sometimes removing them. Oh, lets you do things that maybe are even better. Who knows? But well, I mean, the the classic argument is in in kind of the the TV and film industry is uh, the Star Wars trilogies. Is that the the first Star Wars movie was behind like very tight budget and very little time and a lot of problems. Therefore, they got very creative with what they did. You know, cut it really tight, uh, shot it really tight, and it wound up 
being very tight. And then you get to the prequels where basically there's unlimited money and unlimited funding and it can kind of start to go overboard. And you don't have that same level of distilling your, your idea down to the absolute um, um, kind of efficient way of telling it. Uh, that's a bad way of describing it. <laughs> well, I think that uh, as a creative person, whoever that is, I think that you have to kind of draw that limit anyway. And sometimes that limit is drawn for you by budget or by audience or by time. You know, like maybe we only have 30 minutes to tell this story. Um, but I, I think that... Uh, you know, at some point, it is a finite thing, and you only have so much materials, you know, so you have to kind of work within those those limits. And I, I think that the limits tend to be uh, push the creativity, like Chuck had suggested. Um, but I, uh, one thing that I do love is that uh, Eureka maintains that, that family friendliness, and yet they're always playing around that line. You know, it's like oh, you, yeah. you can almost sense that the writers are kind of gleefully like dancing around the line all I, I the time. I love that we got another Joe line. The uh, oh, I'm you know, I was I was just tangled <laughs> up with Zane. Yeah, with, no, this like, with, with this thing. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I you wouldn't get that if they could just say, oh yeah, I was off sleeping with Zane. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, because the the discomfort or the appropriateness or, or inappropriateness and all that kind of smirking and stuff comes from the audience's knowledge of that line. Um, but you know what's funny? I would not have pegged Joe as wedding crazy. I think that uh, I, I think that I, she I, secretly I would like to get married. <laughs> I, I have a theory that she's probably overreacting a little bit because she's like I was talking about last week. She's dealing with the fact that. Zane's not sure if he's staying or not, and she doesn't have the courage to tell him that she wants him to stay. Oh, she wants to. So, she wants to be with Zane forever. She wants to get married. Right, to yeah, Zane. but she's, she's not going to tell she's, him that. She's not going to tell him that exactly. Right, right. And the problem, and then she's so she's basically taking all this excess pent up frustration and energy and pouring it into uh, into Henry's wedding here. It is. It's hilarious too because Joe's normally pretty straightforward about things, but there are just every now and then there'll be like something that kind of, you know, like makes her act a little bit out of character, and it's really funny—not out of character, like, like I don't. The other episode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not like you know I don't believe it or I don't buy it out of character, but like that's awesome because you know that happens to us all the time, you know, and that that's what makes it funny. It's just like. Joe of all people, like you know, humming the "Here comes the bride, turn on the dress." She's, they've always <laughs> kind of set her up that way, though. You know, she's she's you know she's big on guns and and she's tough and all that stuff. But I mean, why do you put this woman who's like smoking hot and and everything and like is is like literally you know both extremes, right? She's extremely feminine and she's into what are traditionally all these extremely masculine things, right? And you you know it's just a setup for this kind of thing to be it's 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 even right. it's, it, it's it's almost kind of a mirror from the norm where if if you have you know somebody that is outwardly feminine but is also into all you know guns and stuff like that it it's basically the same thing just reversed yeah i uh, she makes a great kind of uh you know release for all these awesome little little lines and and situations you know the the wedding thing was was awesome and i love of course how at the end she 
uh, does exactly what they want. And it's it's uh, it was funny because at first when they when they walked into the garage and you realized that they were going to have the wedding at the garage, I didn't realize they were going to do it right then, right? And right. and then. Yeah, when, no pressure. <laughs> and then when, yeah, and then when they start, well, it'd be I, funny if they're like, um, "I have to go to the bathroom. I've been out all day." <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing was, you know, I thought, well, they have some tables out there. I wonder how many people they're going to invite because uh, is this where they originally met? You know, I mean, one of the big problems with uh, with them having this big wedding and 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 all the things you would normally incorporate and make a big deal out of, if you think about it. A wedding often involves sharing some intimate kind of things, like when you when you first met and all, and the way you well, and, got and to we know saw each a little other. hint of that when Jack had no idea how they first um, how the first wedding went. Right? Yeah, exactly. I'm reminded. He's like, us oh, again. really? I, I I rambled at the speech. Apparently, well, I mean, you there did. are people in Eureka who don't yet know. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, because I figure that everybody knew now. I mean. Well, Vincent yeah. doesn't know yet, therefore. Right. That's the measure. <laughs> They're all playing it for Vincent. Everyone else in <laughs> once, the whole town yeah. knows. <laughs> once Vincent knows, it's over. But yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it, you make a good point there, is that if you really follow the, the, the thought process of what you share at a wedding, it would almost undoubtedly expose them. Yeah. So I was like, Ooh. you know, how would you... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, how are they going to explain this, you know, if they're going to share all this? And then, of course, you look at who's there and you realize that really the only person there who's a problem is Felicia Day's character, Holly. Right, because she's, she, she's, um, uh, first, yeah, she, she has no idea about anything. And, and she's smart enough that she could figure it out. And As Fargo said, for, the first time she showed up, right? Right, yeah. and she works for the senator. But if she right. if she falls in love with Fargo, though, then that's a major thing for him. She wouldn't want to hurt him, so she'll probably keep the secret. Plus, he'll probably that tell her. Be, well, I mean, she, yeah, she seems like a relatively uh, like she she if she started to suspect that there was a problem, I think that she would try to figure out figure it out for the good of everyone, and little knowing that she'd be setting everybody up for a huge fall so yeah you never know and and it seems like classic eureka to have like all these kind of critical relationship situations going on and at the same time there whenever they do that whenever they have some kind of cool thing like that going on they're always keeping one in reserve which is going to come back and smack you right when you think everything's okay again right and I really wonder if the if the timeline thing is going to be the big one you know if that's the one that's going to come back and smack us in the face as soon as they resolve all these other issues they come up with during season four. Yeah, it's kind of like a sleeping elephant right now. It's like it's a big deal, but it hasn't really been a big deal, so we're just going to go along. And they keep telling people, and it doesn't seem to harm them. (laughs) You know, on another note, I just wanted to throw out before I forgot, um, Henry and Grace, I love the way that they talk to each other. Yeah. like Very natural. Yeah, I love how Grace is like, you know, okay, you know, talk to me, what's wrong? And, and he tells her, you know, about this ring and, um, you know, the, the fact that you want to get these new rings, I feel like you're, you're embracing me with one arm and pushing me away with the other. And it's just, it's awesome because like, it's possible to communicate that way. And it's so like refreshing and just so honest and clear. And I just love that about them. 
Well, it's it's got to be kind of a mind frack thinking like, you know, it's, you know, this this woman was in a relationship with me and how much better or worse am I than that person? Yeah, and to not have any idea, to be like trying yeah. to live up to yourself and then be like, and you, you know, you chasing your tail. It's not, it's not like an ex-husband or something that you can go meet. It's like you literally <laughs> will have no idea what this person was. And the worst part is, is that you could potentially be all of that person, good and bad. You know what would be funny is if Grace was always like comparing him to the old Henry. Like <laughs> like, like the, the, the one uh, student on the magic school bus is like, in my old school, like, <laughs> it's my old Henry. We used to. <laughs> Damn. Old Henry was a lot better at this than you. <laughs> my Henry was a lot bigger. <laughs> I guess not all things are parallel. Old Henry really liked page 48 of the Kama Sutra. <laughs> and then she starts making stuff up. You know, like, you know, Old Henry used to take out the trash every day. <laughs> <laughs> Old Henry put on some pants once in a while. <laughs> you know what's really funny, though, Audra? I was just thinking about this in, in this uh, social research textbook that I, I've been reading for class. You know, one, they were trying to explain like traditional modern and postmodern uh, uh, understanding. No understanding of of uh, of research. You know, and of the way things are. Yeah. And and traditional. Yeah, traditional was like the way they described it. I thought was pretty cool. They said traditional was like uh, uh, you just accept that things are a certain way, and the way you're conditioned is the only way things can be. And then modern was. Well, I see it like this, but I understand that other people could be conditioned differently. So you may not see it yeah. the same way I do. And then postmodern is like, whatever you think it is, it is. Well, <laughs> and then postmodern, they said, was like, uh, you know, Pomo. literally like rationalizing, you know, and normalizing out all of that so that you have a situation where you look at it and say, well, um, I realize that everybody looks at this differently, and even if I look at it, and this was the kind of fun part, and this is where I'm going with it, is that uh, the author of the textbook, I forget his name, and it's awful because it's such a great textbook, um, uses this killer example to explain why you can't even look at it. You know, it's like if you look at something, you already screwed it up, and you can't see it correctly because you're, you're, everything that you are filters into that. You know, and yeah, yeah, Pomo is like by definition chaotic, and you can't really understand it. And if you if you can put your finger on it, it's not Pomo. Well, and with <laughs> with research, it's a little differently than just analyzing art. You know, but no, I'm talking about research. Oh, okay, but anyway, the uh, the the funny thing here is that he used this example of this argument between uh, um, uh, you know a wife and husband. And he's like, from, you know, from the husband's point of view, and there's this husband, it's a classic cartoon with this husband with this little angel halo over him, and this this woman with this, like, uh, you know, crazy, like, hair going out everywhere, with snakes coming out of it, and her, like, screaming, you know, ah, like, she's crazy, right? And then, you know, the woman's, you know, the, the, the wife's point of view, and, you know, he has, like, devil horns and is, like, all mad, and she has this little halo and everything, you know? And, uh, and then he, you know, so he's saying each point of view, and then what if you were a third observer? You know, would you see them as both crazy, or would you see them as as both okay, or one or the other? And it was interesting. But what it made me think of in relation to this—I'm sorry, this took so long to get out—but is that what makes you know Henry and Grace's relationship so awesome is that they have something that real couples never really have, or at least we like to think they do. But I've never met one that did, which is 
being able to both be not crazy at the same time. No, I All think, the time. I think that it's very possible for people to have that. Yeah? Yeah, that's what I love about it. I mean, do you find it just completely astronomically unreal to watch that i mean no i I, I love watching it i just think that i just think the reality is generally that that when you get screwed up you know one or the other it's not like it it makes people bad or anything we all are that way you know a lot of times arguments happen because somebody gets screwed up and the other person uh you know one is reasonable and one is not and you both have to be reasonable to have that awesomeness that they do and that happens sometimes but for them it happens like all the time which is like that awesome goal that you reach for but never quite get to all the time, you know? Well, I like it because I think that it shows that Grace has been just really good for Henry. And I don't know what Grace was like before Henry, but, you know, from the perspective of, Which of, of seeing him, <laughs> I mean, I think that the, the marriage and the relationship has just been really good for his soul. And I like watching it. I love how Henry can settle in. He seems to, like, be content in a wider variety of situations than like anybody I've ever seen. Well, he certainly had to deal with the most about it. <laughs> if you, if you look at the fact that he's dealt with all of these different timelines and, and stuff, and the fact that she has been so patient, it just proves how it proves the point of what you were saying is that how, you know, not insane they can both be because, you know, they're, they were each kind of waiting for each other to, to grow and, you know, Henry had some fixing to do, and you know, um, uh, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, Grace. 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 Yeah, I'm really terrible with names, which you'll Me find too. out. Uh, with uh, with Grace is that she need she you know she had she has to come to terms with the fact that her old husband's gone, and you know the fact that they're both w- that they haven't completely destroyed each other means that they ha- they show. Uh, enough restraint and understanding far beyond what a typical a typical pairing of people will will be able to tolerate i mean these are fr- freaking extraordinary circumstances well they are kind of uh like like almost treacly you know they're like so perfect for each other it's like super cute you yeah. know like eye rollingly sweet <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was uh, I was thinking back about other relationships in the show in the past, and I remember that originally they had kind of uh, hinted at something between Joe and Taggart. And oh yeah, more yeah. than hinted. Well, yeah, I mean, but there there was like a little something between Joe and, and Taggart. I don't know that they ever like really got it, together, it but kind of fizzled out. But where where is Taggart in this universe? I don't know. I mean, I think that he just he left or something, but. Um, I, I was wondering that too. I can't remember if we've seen him post time shift. No, no, no. Oh, no, we haven't in this universe. Like in this universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no, That's a no. Good we haven't. We haven't seen him since this season. Um, but I was thinking, you know, it was funny because they they could have made it work. I mean, Joe and and Taggart, but I'm really glad that they went back and kind of reworked that out so that it it was Joe and Zane because I. I think it's a lot more appropriate for her as a character, you know? Yeah, I, I think um, I think Joe and Taggart were a little too obvious. Like they, yeah, they like were just so much their, alike. They, were, they, they had a lot in common in terms of their superficial likes and dislikes. But I don't know. I think the, the fact is, is that um, with Zane, she, both of them can open up a lot more, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
they're definitely creating kind of an interesting situation because, you know, they've they've played one of the nice things about the whole timeline thing is that they get to try these characters in all sorts of ways that you just never would normally get the chance to do, right? Like, I mean, first we see Zane as like this kind of bad guy, and then very quickly he becomes a great guy. And then he gets kind of not as interesting. And then, bang, we get to see him as a bad guy again, and they get to hang on to the parts of that that worked while bringing in the parts of good guy that worked. How do you get to do that normally in a normal non-Eureka show? Well, I think that sometimes what happens is in in other shows, you'll see the characters kind of uh, jerk around from like a pendulum, you know, kind of back and forth, and you don't really understand why. You know, and and this way they can they can explore the depths of the character in different ways. So you're saying they do it in other shows? Yeah, they do it. There's not not as smoothly. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Either way, once the soaps figure out how to do this, they're going to have just you know unlimited (laughs) story potential. They just do it right. I've never understood why we didn't have a sci-fi soap. That would be uh, (laughs) that would so work. The young and the tentacled. (laughs) Hell yeah. They should have that in Eureka. Wouldn't oh, that be that's awesome? awesome. There's, like there's got to be a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's because the traditional anyway, I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but I think the traditional audience for soaps doesn't overlap in huge ways with the traditional audience for, you know, for science fiction. Yeah, that's probably true. Doesn't mean that they can't. But see, but, in Eureka, it totally would. I could totally yeah, see yeah. the people in Eureka watching The Young and the Tentacle. The Young and the Tentacle. <laughs> They'd have to produce it in-house in Eureka, though, which would also be very Eureka. You know, it's funny because when you think about like the Beverly storyline, every time, you know, one, I never thought about it. But now that you mention it, every time Beverly's on screen, I kind of feel like it's a soap opera because she is like the kind of, you know, ridiculously over the top evil and like, you know, evil twin coming back to life and I, then I show up and seduce somebody and behind her character. <laughs> it could really be a soapy character. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's very, she's melodramatic and right. And that, that's the, the, the type of acting that you get on a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> the other day uh, I was, I was at the gym and there was a TV in front of me and just kind of rattling on and they always turn the volume off and captions on. And uh, there was this, it was soap that was on and there was a kid and the kid was supposed to be at a funeral and he was like this eight year old boy and he was supposed to like rush from his father's arms to like this other woman, like his aunt or something. And he was supposed to be all sad and crying. And I looked at the kid and he's got his little funeral suit on and he's got this smirk on his face and he's like, "Uh uh but he couldn't really do it. And I was like, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst coma acting I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, you wonder how they do that. Well, I just don't, I guess, with with kids, you know. But I don't know. Well, there's some pretty amazing kid actors out there. There's a there's there's an even greater portion of terrible oh. child actors, <laughs> <so>. just like adults. <laughs> you know, yeah, go figure. That's another storyline that's kind of being held in reserve. I mean, the Zoe thing. Well, that too. But I was going to say the. Uh, uh, Allison's baby who we never see. <laughs> Maybe it's not her baby. We also never Los see them go to the bathroom. But I'm just saying. Well, okay. Going to the bathroom is conventionally not something that they show on, on a television show because there's no point in watching that. But, you know, Allison's baby 
<laughs> no, actually, I know you 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 kind of kid about that, but you know, I think it does make some sense here because the last couple of episodes have actually been really time compressed. You know, like yeah, some yeah. episodes take place over a couple of days, and those are the ones that you think would be very difficult to not see the baby. But the last couple of episodes have all been like they walk into work, something really big happens, and it gets resolved by the end of the day. A sci-fi show that speeds up the uh, story progression late in the season? Well, no, I mean, it's not no. overly fast or anything. It's just that, it's uh, you know what? I mean, take any any sci-fi franchise. I mean, take Star Trek, you know, Next Gen. Some of them happen over... I, I, was, I, I meant more in the line of Siffy. Oh, I mean, yeah, but that's not really what I... I guess what I'm saying is is that I don't think it's un, un out of the ordinary at all to have some episodes that take place you know, over a shorter period of time than others. Yeah, of it's course It's just not. the last I, few have been that way. And because of, of that, they don't really fit to see the baby, you know? I, I think it's gaining the momentum to the, the season ender. And and it's it's setting up a lot of stuff. And I mean, we've had... It's it's also feeling a little faster as well because we've got all that backstory of the Astraeus, Astraeus mission going on. So, yeah... I, I think it's I think it's reasonable. Like I don't think it's you know like uh, no exit and BSG where it was info dump episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's cool too um, is that as it's picking up and uh, we're getting all of this kind of condensed material and it feels like a lot's happening. But during this episode, like I wasn't really concerned about the the gases like the ethane and the methane. I didn't really care. I mean, and that's not a bad thing, you know what I mean? Because, like, what mattered to me was the characters, and I think that's kind of a, a hallmark of a good show in a lot of ways, is that, you know, the plot is fun, and you want to see them work it out, but, you know, well, this, I, I was more interested in their relationships. Yeah, I don't think that this, yeah, this isn't necessarily the show that you see those gases show up, and you're like, oh my god, is this the end of the world? Yeah, because it's, it's it, not a suspense-type focus, you know, it's a character Right, it's, it's not that type of drama or narrative, it's... Like like you said, it's all, it's all about the relationships. Well, it's kind of cool uh, again to go back to Doctor Who. I mean, um, it's <laughs> kind of like do end the world. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> every week. Well, we had joked about how like people people would always make fun of the whole monster of the week thing, right? But Doctor Who manages to do a monster of the week, like almost literally, and uh, you know, and it works. And I think that that's kind of cool. Like Eureka's done the same thing, where they have sort of a catastrophe of the week. And the planet is always in danger, and Eureka's always in danger, and there's always some, you know, some, like, scientist that you'll only see once who has some kind of pet project that he's working on and then inadvertently does something that endangers everybody. And then, uh, you know, Allison uses her genius, and, and Jack uses his, you know, whatever, his book smarts or his street smarts or whatever and you know and then it all congeals and everyone's happy i think i think he does what would classically be considered intelligence jack is very intelligent he may not have uh as she pointed out he may not have a degree in anything particular of apple you know scientific he uh, he may not have a lot of specific knowledge but he's he's very intelligent meaning that he takes he sees patterns and he takes things and he assembles them in creative and different ways and that's often how he solves the problems in Eureka. Right. It's that critical thinking element where he can, you know, he, the, the, there's a lot of intelligent people in Eureka, but they're, you know, they can specialize in on things. and you know, can provide information. Right. Exactly. So, the, I mean, there's a difference, I guess, between intelligence and, and that critical thinking. I think that's maybe more of a better way to put it. 
I think it is funny, though, that he was the only one that could figure out that, you know, that the guy who's been dumping all the gases into the ground might be responsible you know, for all the same <laughs> gases coming out of the ground. <laughs> I'm guessing he just lived on a, at a house that, that at one point in his life had a septic tank. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know that when, you oh know, my. you take a whole bunch of showers the, during the, you know, during the winter, it's like the, the, the tank gets backed up. <laughs> It yeah, I actually, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I grew up in a house with a septic tank. There you go, exactly. So it's just like, well, where does all that gas go? Oh, okay. It's got to go somewhere. And uh, Yeah, when they were talking about methane, I'm like, this is going to be a fart episode. I know it. <laughs> not one Again, that fart ties joke. into the septic tank. I know, not one. Not a single fart joke. I thought it'd be great if Tiny had a gas problem or something or... Too bad Tiny died, though. I know. I know. I like Even how, though he was uh, on a murderous rampage last time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, but... She. Yeah, she. she. Yeah, sorry. But I like how... Um, what's his name? Wallace Shawn's character. Was it Warner? I, I liked how he liked Tiny. He's like, she's wonderful. Boom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn, that was cold. I actually thought that right at that moment. Yeah. You know, they made, they made her look cute and then blew her up. It's like... She was a leaf on the you wind. Know, you know what's <laughs> no funny kidding. is that... They probably figured, well, if we can't kill any people on this show, let's kill the robot. Aww. And it's like, no, you can't even kill the robot. Come on. They better not take Martha. No kidding. I would be pissed. <laughs> I would be pissed about Incidentally, you know, if you've been watching the tweets from the actors and writers and so on. Yeah, I've seen some of them. They, uh, they said that they were wrapping up their last production in yeah. uh you know in i forget where it is but the uh, essentially the the street that it serves as the center of eureka right. main so, street yeah so i'm guessing <laughs> that they've they've already shot the uh that extra episode as we far as really... i know they they shot or they finished it yesterday yeah because i hadn't heard i knew i knew that I, I saw will wheaton tweet that he was going back to to work on that um, which meant to me that they were going to shoot it pretty much immediately. Um, but that's kind of crazy to add an episode like that and write it and shoot it and everything that quick. It seems seems unusual. Or, or, or am I? Either that or they probably already had some kind of idea. Like they probably knew that this was coming for a while. And they're, that they probably figured, like, if we're going to have to end it, how are we going to do it? They're just improving all the last episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just ad lib it. Just figure it out. We'll do it live to tape. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> what would Fargo really say here? Screw you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they, have to, they have to run live sensors on it, you know, because... No. The six-second delay on Eureka, right? Yeah. yeah. It's very... Wait, it's not. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get, like... Uh, you know, Fargo, you know, getting ripped and, you know, making out with Larry or something and like a nip slip from Allison. And <laughs> <laughs> this is why you don't put Audra in charge. Of Eureka. <laughs> Remember that discussion we had earlier in the podcast about oh limits? <laughs> Enhancing limits creativity. that make things fun. Yes. yes. It's like, yeah. All right. We need Justin Timberlake in a tearaway dress. <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe not. No. Hey, we have a call, guys. Sweet. Pearls. Hi, guys. This is one for Save Eureka. Definitely enjoying the new show. In fact, I don't actually watch Eureka yet, but I'm using this as a way to see is it something I want to add to my large list of to watch. And so far, the results are hell yes. Um, I want to comment on what um, Order was saying about what would the um, female equivalent of a sonic screwdriver be? 
Um, actually, there already is one. In the Doctor Who spin-off, um, The Sarah Jane Adventures, um, Sarah Jane carries around a sonic lipstick. Now, again, it, I believe it doesn't actually function as a lipstick, but, you know, it's something that she can easily carry around, um, um, you know, someone finds it in a handbag. They ain't going to confiscate it as being dodgy alien tech. But, um, yeah, she carries around the sonic lipstick, which does pretty much the same as, um, you know, what the sonic screwdriver does. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. Still enjoying the show. Um, keep it up. Yeah, so uh, there you go, Audrey. Yeah, okay. So, first of all, lovely accent. Thank you for saying my name. Now I have it recorded. Um, <laughs> Audrey loves that, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, like, say it again. <laughs> Speak it. Again. <laughs> no, you should have seen. We got a. Um, uh, who was it who played ball? Oh, uh, Cliff Simon. Yeah, Cliff Simon. Uh, oh, we actually got a voicemail because we were trying to hook up to do the thing, and and we had a time difference issue and and a time zone issue with it, and so so we he we ended up with this voicemail from him, and uh, and Audra still has it, I think. <laughs> He's like, he said my name. <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome, but but so yes. Yeah, so first, thank you for that, and uh, and second, um, I like the uh, I like the Sonic lipstick. That's pretty cool. Um, and you need to, if you haven't already, you need to check uh, the Twitter stream Top Gun. Uh, let's see, Top Gun GWC uh, the other day made a a female version by taking an old cell phone. And I think he he duct taped a tampon to it and <laughs> called it a Sonic <laughs> tampon. <laughs> Oh, ah. and he, t- he actually yeah and he took a picture, a picture he took a picture of it yeah a cell phone taped to a tampon yeah that is, it was like the camera phone in, in flight of the concords you know <laughs> <That's fantastic. laughs> the sonic it rings i guess yeah, yeah exactly i think you ruined my tampon and my phone <laughs> it's like the nice. one from the next doctor when he has the normal screwdriver and he's like see it's sonic tick 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 it yeah. <laughs> why is it sonic well it you makes know, sound it, you know yeah. <laughs> And and third, if there was ever a great time to start watching Eureka, now is the time. It oh is, yes, it is a lot of fun. And um, you know the the beginning it starts out kind of uh, supernaturally and mystery, and then and then progressively just gets funnier and funnier and and just it's great. What's so. good is that we've got a uh, a break coming up That's in right. a few weeks, so you'll have a chance to catch up as well. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Yeah, I think actually our our uh, plan so far is to go back and start rewatching the older ones. You bet. During the I have not watched the old ones in a long. I time. I know it's going to be fun. It is because I've been I've been wondering about some things, and you know, just they kind of slip your mind. It's been a couple of years now we've been watching the show. Isn't it kind of uh, just just the irony when I think about uh, our caller just now starting to watch it like right after it's been canceled? And then I think about how many times that I have done that. Yeah, like, I've done it. I don't know how many times. I couldn't even count easily how many times that. Yeah, like you hear about a show and how great it is. You're like, and yeah, you're like, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch it. it I'll out. watch it. And then people are like, oh, it got canceled because no one was actually watching it like you. <laughs> and then you yeah. watch it and you're like, this is the greatest show ever. And you just. I mean, in a way, you feel bad. <laughs> you you watch like, it in time just to get your heart broken <laughs> and then feel stupid. Well, yeah. I, I, had, I mean, I had no idea that Firefly existed until like, you know, four years after it got canceled. So. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I think that probably most of the people who've ever seen Firefly saw it after the fact. 
Well, yeah, because I mean, I guess that's almost the definition of a cult classic, right? Yeah. You know, right. when when you think about, you know, like I wonder how many people actually saw, you know, the Rocky Horror Picture Show in its first run, if theater, if it even had one. Or or something like the Big Lebowski. Like how many people saw the Big Lebowski? Actually, that was a pretty popular movie when it came yeah, out. Yeah, but I mean, compared I there to are some the... that are like well, Blade Runner is a great example. I'd yeah. be willing to bet that many more people have have been introduced to Blade Runner post theater run than ever did when it first. When it first right, showed. and there, it was there's some unpopular. that just persist. Like you, you know, you get your stuff. Yeah, like Clerks or something like that as well. That they just continue to be relevant. You know, the, I think one of the differences is that a movie, you know, you expect it to be that way, right? Where as with a TV show, it seems like its functionality, it's it, in terms of of making money back for the people who created it, very much has a, a lifespan. You know, it continues well, to earn, but well, maybe that's because as well that it's had less time on the post broadcast monetization scale. Like you know, you you. you be getting videos of movies on on VHS and stuff like that, but it was prohibitively expensive to try to pick up an entire series oh, of yeah. TV on VHS. It was like you know, oh yeah, yeah like yeah. five hundred dollars to get all the next gen or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in fact, yeah, Chuck actually. and I went and got um, the Star Trek movies. You know, like uh, one through right. six. Yeah, and we could finally afford to get them on VHS. In what was it, two thousand two? We got them from Used. half price. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and even, even then, then, it was like 50 yeah. bucks or something. Well, I, I remember going into like the blockbusters, and it wasn't that they had seasons of, of like Next Gen on oh, VHS. No, I remember it never it came was out like that way. The Borg series. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, or sometimes you know, even just one episode. Yeah. Right. Or like the two parters, or, you know. Can you imagine how much space that would take up well, on your hell, shelf? To- even now. I mean, like when we, we started watching Next Gen. And in order, we had seen a lot of it. Yeah, buying the big DVD boxes. And yeah, we could just about, watching like one or two with dinner most nights, we could just about save up enough cash to buy the next box set when we'd run out. And every now and then there'd be a little break. It was great. Our entertainment budget. Yeah, we had like, you know, $20 a week on entertainment and we'd just save it up and buy the next season. Forever. (laughs) I mean, that's how we ended up with all of Next Gen, all of Deep Space Nine, all of... And and now for eight bucks a month, you can uh, watch it on Netflix, Have everything you want, I know. (laughs) Which is great, yeah. I think that might do more to help some of the cult classics of TV that haven't really been recognized, but I, I don't know. I don't know how the monetization structure works on that. And, you know, that's something that I'm really kind of getting interested in because I'll admit that I, compared to industry professionals, I don't know a damn thing about how how monetization works in TV sure. and why. But I know this. I know that, that there is now, because of DVDs being available for so long of TV shows, uh, at, at semi-reasonable prices, and I don't mean that they're overpriced, just that they're you can kind of buy them sometimes. And the availability of this through through online rental kind of things like Netflix and that sort of thing, that there is now a much larger post-TV, post-broadcast market for TV. God, it's and so it, great, too. It, and I'm like, finally, it was one of those things that when they first, like, do you remember back in, I don't know, maybe... 10 years ago when they kind of first started releasing some TV on DVD, like for the very first time they would bring back a TV show from the eighties that was like MacGyver or something. And I remember thinking, Holy crap, this is awesome. I mean, all the time I spent like loving those shows years ago and, and 
like I know I was you know trolling around for a Christmas gift for my mom. I'm like, my mom <laughs> nice. would love freaking love MacGyver DVDs, oh, yeah. you know. And I remember thinking ten years ago they need to do this with like all the big TV shows because and people they will have. <laughs> use them. Yeah, right. and it, it takes a while, but see now I just now I I think it's just got to be a matter of time before the the monetization methodology catches up with the demand. You well, know? there, professor. There's a, there's a, there's a demand for it now, but the, but, and, and there's a way of delivering it, but we don't really, you know, if you think about it, we've had 50 years to get caught up with TV, you know, for TV to figure out how we're going to sell ads on TV stations and how that money's going to filter around and do its work and all that. And, and how, I mean, everything has turned completely upside down in the last five years. Right. And as, well, especially when the fact is, is that the uh, the storage is no longer a problem. The media is no longer a problem, especially with all the digital distribution. I mean, Chuck, you, what, what do you and I say all the time is once you get the technical aspect out of the way, that leaves you uh, with a lot more flexibility to do with what you want. So, I mean, now that, you know, terabyte drives are $40 and yeah. you, you could stream downloads right to your machine i mean it's a war on terror options a war on terror but no it's great you you actually have options now so yeah that's what i'm saying the technology's there the demand's there what's missing is the whole system to connect the two and and when that happens all of a sudden i think that shows like firefly maybe like eureka you know, maybe they have a second chance at life, you know, and what that would be, I don't know. Would it be, uh, you know, would it be made for TV movies? Would it be movies like, like Firefly? Would it be uh, a web series, you know? Who you know knows? what I would love to know? If there are, are, are there Eureka action figures out there right now? Oh, I hope so. That would if there be are, sweet. somebody please email me, Juan at GalacticWaterCooler.com with some links, because... That would be fantastic. Uh, I would yeah. love a Fargo action figure. Not, <laughs> not the bobblehead, yeah, but, but an action figure. I know you yeah. can buy the bobblehead. Yeah, but I don't want a bobblehead. Yeah, I, I, I want an action figure. What, you know, it should be like the, that um, at the time of, uh, the Star Trek Generations came out, you could get a model of the Enterprise with like breakaway damage, and they should have the same for <laughs> That's Carter's awesome. Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you press oh. a button that the wheels fall off and like the hood you know, spring loads oh, off. You know and, you know, oh, no, you know what would be awesome. Little plastic fire shoots out. Do you, yeah, do you remember those toys where um, there's like the, the doll, like wasn't there a doll that would like fall apart and then it would like stand up again? And there's like a string that you could pull because all the parts were attached with this string and it would collapse, <laughs> yes. you know? And then you'd like pull it and it would like, they'd all snap back together. You push on the bottom and it like goes limp. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. It should be you know one of those. Would be For the Jeep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tires in there. It would be awesome if the Carter action figure, it was like the Hitchhiker's guide game you know where you had no tea like like in, if you do your inventory when you first start the game it says you have you have pocket lint and no tea you know <laughs> no tea yeah no tea it's famous so british it would, it would be well i mean it's obviously it's important that you have tea at some point but it would be hilarious if the carter action figure came with like you know a radio and like you know who knows what and no jeep <laughs> no jeep <laughs> you know like it's just gone you know <laughs> it is no jeep either that or the jeep comes you know with like uh i don't know a voyager spacecraft figure with it you know since it's out there that'd be pretty entertaining i was trying you to get have about- the, the vincent action figure that has the <laughs> hip swivel so like you have 
he has one hand up and the other one out. So it's like he swivels one way and listens to a, a rumor and then swivels yeah. the other way and tells it to someone else. Carter, please. I was trying to think about what accessories Fargo would come with. Um, his bobblehead. A mug. His own bobblehead. Yeah. <laughs> his own tiny bobblehead. A mug. Maybe one of the uh, posters. A GD mug. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. You know what would be cool is a, a special edition Fargo in that bathrobe that he's wearing in the pilot <laughs> when, they're, when they're doing, you know, like they're walking around GD and it turns out that GD has all these like spa facilities and stuff. You know what I mean? It's the very rare uh, Comic-Con special. It's yeah, the naked Fargo, Fargo the- from, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from 1947. From 1947. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go with the real rare action figures, the ones that they didn't do many prints of, like the kid from the pilot. <laughs> oh yeah! Like, oh yeah! I've got Darmok. Oh uh, crap! Um, I would totally kill for a Darmok action figure. Brian Peterson—that's the kid from the pilot. Wow, you remember? That's Whoa. wow. Yeah. I'm terrible with names. Dude, and you're like whipping I, I, about. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I teach, and it's like it's like a corner of your memory that you learn to cultivate with names. <laughs> but yeah, yeah remember I guess when you're teaching, Brian. you're like, there was this guy. It's true. I don't know yeah, his name. the people he I'm talking about like really important. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. It's true. It is like that. Like I can remember, you know, you know Tony Johnson in the back row or something, but I can't remember the the real stuff. <laughs> well, um, oh, you know what else we need? What's uh, that? I would like a Joe on the 1947 motorcycle action figure. I agree. I would totally. Oh buy that. yes. I, I would totally spring for that. <laughs> we could have a. This is so mean. We could have a Henry action figure where the ring like slips off and on his finger. <laughs> oh. oh, I hope you know what. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> no, you have a season one where he's he's got a smile on his face, and a season two where he's got a frown, and a season oh. three where he's got oh. a tear. Oh, you know what would be awesome heads. is to have like a. Yeah. <laughs> Have a Henry where he you could change the patches like there's the mayor patch. Oh, no, that'd be and cool like if the, he came with a bunch of different ones. Yeah, yeah oh, there yeah. you go. Well, if you're listening and you would like to contribute, I hope everybody will will uh, check out the forum and, uh, or comments on the blog. Either way, where you could add some of your own action figure ideas, and we'll pick some of them and put them in the next podcast because that's that's pretty fun. Yes, I'd definitely. like to see everybody get in on. The- you can call them in too uh, if you'd like to call us. Uh, and, and this number is in the outro, but uh, I should mention that uh, well, anyway two one four two nine six nine two two nine. The phone number is two nine six. I screwed that up. It's first it's time. Okay. It's okay. Four, yeah. two, nine, six, nine, two, two, nine. Thank you. Yeah, I've only done it like <laughs> 900 times. Anyway, the trick is that we haven't quite got it rigged yet because of the new podcast to have a special option just for the new podcast. So you have to use the Galactic Water Cooler podcast option. Just go ahead and do that. That's okay. We'll you, have it fixed in the next it couple will, weeks. But I want to say that because I, I got emails from a couple of people who like when it called to leave a message and then were, didn't know what to do and didn't leave one. Yeah, so. I, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm still trying to figure figure out the voicemail system it's all good we'll get it taken care of and in the meantime uh, if you send it through galactic water cooler we will get we it. will get it like and the ones will, you've heard yeah, yeah absolutely so uh time to wrap up audrey got anything uh to end with here uh no just uh looking forward to the next episode and you know i'm really enjoying the uh the tweets like you were saying and oh, yeah. uh, i haven't been on twitter as much as i wanted to lately but i have seen it, some of the tweets there's uh eureka writers 
is one. Nice. Uh, of course, Colin Ferguson is on, and his uh, Twitter account is just Colin Ferg. Which is worth following regardless because you want to follow him post Eureka. Right. Neil Grayston is on, and uh, actually, I ran across um, Erica Chera, who plays Joe. I followed her for a long is time. On, and, and her name is spelled uh, kind of, you know, like she phonetically. very rarely, but, yeah. but it's entertaining when she does. Yeah, so if you don't know uh, Felicia Day's Twitter account, then you're not on Twitter. <laughs> I think it's a requirement if you join Twitter that you have to follow Felicia Day. Yeah, pretty much, and it's worth it. Oh, yeah. And if you're on Google Plus too, Felicia Day posts a lot of really interesting, fun, you know, funny she's or really inspiring got it out. type things. Yeah, she's, and I love the stuff person. she posts. So uh, anyway, I am looking forward to keeping up with that stuff. And I'm also looking forward to, you know, when we do have the Eureka hiatus, normally those are like difficult to get through, but I'm actually going to be okay because it's going to be fun going back through the old episodes. Oh, yeah. I am looking forward to that too. Juan? Uh, I'd just like to give a quick call out to uh, Samurai Jack and Wolfbite who are putting some nice uh, discussion into the... uh, into the uh, forum oh, threads yeah. for, right. for these episodes. Among other people, there's a lot more, but those are two I remember. And Samurai Jack has got the greatest signature right now. He's got Carter being the uh, Carter being the traffic cop <laughs> with the slow sign, and under it, he's got the uh, the quote that Yeah, that can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the best Carter quote. So yeah, uh, yeah thanks to them, be. and uh, I will love hearing your feedback, everyone. So uh, keep it up and let us know what you like. That is, uh, I, I think you two hit on the stuff that I would have ended with here. Um, definitely looking forward to the rewatch the in the off season. And, and boy, I got to tell you, you know, uh, when you, you know, it's not like we're getting paid for making podcasts. So what, ter- what makes it exciting and fun for us is when you actually engage with us and discuss it. Yeah. So wait, when- wait, you're not getting paid? <laughs> Why are you? Yeah. Who's sending me checks? And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you. It's my sultry voice. <laughs> it makes the boys come down the block. But it's so much fun. I mean, seeing the discussion in the forum and getting a call or two a week really uh, just makes it all worth it for us. So thanks a bunch for that. And uh, we will uh, see you next week with another episode. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.